1420 WBSM presents Ray Lance and the USA Wealth Group alongside Phil Paleologos. Get your finances in order. Money Wise starts now. Good Sunday morning. Wow, what a great show we have in store for you. It's always a good show when Ray Lance joins on Sunday mornings and really gives us uh, the kinds of information that we need to protect our family, protect everything that we worked so very hard for. And that's what I think uh, when I go around town, Ray, most people say he talks about relevant issues. And I love that. Good. Well, that's nice to hear, Phil. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Money Wise. Every Sunday morning at this hour, USA Wealth Group brings you this show. Our main objective is very simple. We want to show you how you can protect your family and how you can protect your money. Today we have an interesting topic that I will announce in a minute. I just want to remind you that if you need to reach out to me or to Peter or anybody else in the office, please give us a call at 508-998-8858. So, Phil. Yes. Do you ever take a gig? A who? A gig. A gig. G-I-G. A gig, as in like a, a job? Yeah, like a job. For example... Sometimes you'll hear musicians, musicians, mm-hmm. let me get that word out, say, I have a gig tonight. Yeah, of course. Sure. Well, a gig is a form of freelance work. And more and more people in our country, in our economy, are doing part-time work, sometimes because they have to, sometimes because they don't have a choice, mm-hmm. but sometimes because they want the extra income from a part-time job. So not every part-time job is necessarily a gig, We'll talk about some of the details of that. But that's our topic today, and it's called the gig economy. What does it mean? What if you're retired and you decide you want to do something again? What if you are doing something where you get paid under the table? Is that a good thing or a bad thing? And a lot of people do that sometimes, and they think that they're ahead of the game, but maybe they're not. So today we're going to talk about the what is the gig economy and why is it so controversial Best example I can give you right now is Uber drivers. Oh, sure. Uber drivers work when they feel like working. If they have some spare time, their car is registered. They're registered into the system. And theoretically, they're, they're really out on a gig. They're driving for a few hours to make some extra money. And that's part of the new gig economy. Uh, often it doesn't have a retirement plan associated with it. And um, it's becoming more and more a part of our economy. So as recently as just a couple of months ago, um, people, government workers, are asking for a new way to measure the impact of this economy. Well, the gig economy previously had been called the sharing economy. And what it really has done, it's based upon sometimes using apps and a cell phone or things of that nature to find work that you want to do. But um, gig economy workers sometimes work for regular traditional companies, and maybe they've changed their staffing needs. Uh, Delivery drivers for Hermes Furniture Store, for example, uh, they often work on a piece-by-piece delivery basis. So for every piece of furniture they get paid, they get a particular fee. That's a good example. Mm -hmm. Um, So one of the main problems with a gig economy is that It doesn't allow people to have such things as sick time, holiday time. Maybe they're not making minimum wages sometimes. 
and um, just lots and lots of issues associated with it. So we're going to talk about some of these things today. I venture to say that a good percentage of everybody listening to the radio today, to this particular show, might be doing something in the gig economy. Is there a reason why the gig economy uh, has grown of late? Is, is, it, uh, is there a larger question behind that? All kinds of reasons, and we're going to explore some of them. For example, employers may be reluctant to hire more full-time workers, but they need more work to be done. Or in the age of computers, they want to outsource certain things, whether it's marketing or whether it's database collection or, you know, things dealing with computers often. Yes, yeah. And so you could have somebody working out of their house working for a number of different employers. So here's some examples. In our office, we have uh, one of our part-time bookkeepers works for us basically two and a half days a week, Um, but then she works for at least one other and possibly two other companies and does part-time bookkeeping as well. So she doesn't have a traditional full-time 40-hour-a-week job. She's working for a number of companies. And then it's also important for her to have her Friday afternoons free. Mm -hmm. So she doesn't like to work on Friday afternoons. That's a perfect example of it. Um, But there are many, many more. And the number of people working in a gig economy is very difficult to report. But we are going to try to provide some estimates. It's estimated that as much as... 34% of the population may somehow be participating in a gig economy. Wow. Do you do things part-time at home? Um, uh, Phil, you personally, for example, Mm -hmm. do you ever accept a small speaking engagement where you might be an MC and a host? Oh, all the time. And maybe you get paid a small fee for doing that, or a fee. No, I always donate it to charity. Do you? Yeah. Good for you. All the time. That's good. Yeah. But I'm asked quite often to do things, you know, MC, sure. be a judge, do this and that. Mm-hmm. Sure. All the time. So you are a participant in the gig economy. Mm-hmm. I work in a traditional kind of a job. I'm, uh, I have a corporation and I'm an employee of the corporation. But once in a while I'll do something else. It's a, it's a part-time transaction. It's not necessarily part of that. But... Um, Anyway, goodbye jobs and hello gigs is one way to sum up the new economic um, reality. Yeah. And so it's no longer, having a gig is no longer something that applies just to musicians, which is sort of a slang term for a date or an engagement. Um, The word didn't have any particular meaning or glamour until the 50s when musicians really started to adopt it. But the, um, the gig economy today is based upon the fact that so many things are being outsourced. Um, so many traditional jobs have gone away. Uh, you might work part-time. If you work a regular part-time job, chances are you're working for a company where you're going to have full reporting, taxes withheld, and so forth. Uh, caregivers are a good example of this. Um, I've got somebody that has done some part-time work in my office recently. Um, helping with some computer things, but also works jobs as a caregiver. But then if the person that she's working for should die, for example, Mm -hmm. that job ends. Oh, wow. And then it may be a few days, maybe another week before there's another job for her to take on. 
So she's not a traditional full-time employee anyplace. Yes. So it's an increasingly, it's a part, large part of our job. Um, another term for it, as I said, is freelancing. And we've all heard that term before. So when you hear that word freelancer, you don't think of people who are putting together a series of jobs, um, cleaning apartments, delivering groceries, doing other people's laundry, uh, whatever it happens to be. But basically, freelancing is doing those kinds of things. And you don't think of yourself as having a gig when you're doing those kinds of things unless you're a musician. But in fact, that's exactly what it is. You are doing a gig. I have a few quotes that I have to give you this morning, Phil. I am ready. So Henry Ford said, Whether you think you can or think you can't, you're you're right. right. Got it. (laughs) One of my favorites. And this is a quotation from Herman Melville, Moby Dick, which we're all familiar with. I wonder, by the way, how many people have actually read Moby Dick in our community. And more and more people, more people should read it. It's a great, great book. But in any event, here's a quotation right out of Moby Dick. I know not all that may be coming, but be it what it will, I'll go it to it laughing. Ooh. It's about attitude. You have to have a good attitude in life, don't you? Yes, you do. You know, I was thinking about you the other day because you, you always mention Mark Twain. I like Mark Twain. I know you do. And I was thinking, wouldn't it be great for a Mark Twain to be here in the Fairhaven area? Mm-hmm. You know how we have reenactments of the Revolutionary War or whatnot, but have a character like Mark Twain dressed and who is well-versed. And, you well, know, seeing that he, he loved Fairhaven, he came here. Yes, he did. And Hal Holbrook did a great impersonation of him. The best. And I think that would be really tough to compete with. Well, but as a tourist attraction in the summer, have a somebody like a Mark Twain sure, like, interact with the tourists. We have had those kinds of uh, characters before, and they do a, a wonderful job. Um, I actually brought in a Teddy Roosevelt impersonator once. Yes, you did. To the... Whaling Museum Auditorium. It was awesome. And he was phenomenal. He was, yes. And I had him on the radio. It didn't take very long before you realized, or before you, you, you were no longer thinking of this person as an actor. You were thinking that you were talking to, yep. to the president. Sure. Yeah. No, he was good. Yeah. Well, preparation is important. If you're going to do a job um, in the gig economy, uh, there are lots of things that we need to think about. Um, so right now it's estimated that somewhere around 34 to 40% of the USA will be in non-standard jobs by the year 2020. Really? Yep. Hmm. So what are some of the problems of this? Well, first of all, if you happen to be working for a reputable company, um, and I'll include Uber in that category, they take good records. Uh, the charges go to the company. Uh, The person puts their credit card in when they go to get the car. Money is never handled between the driver. Um, The charge is made directly to Uber. Uber withholds taxes, pays Social Security, and then a net check goes back to the driver. And the most important words that I said in that sentence was Social Security. If you're going to work part-time jobs and take gigs and do things like that, 
a lot of people think that, wow, this is wonderful. I'm getting paid cash. I don't have to pay income taxes on it. I don't have to report it. And by the way, if that's your sole method or a significant portion of your employment, the IRS does have the ability to reconstruct your income based upon your lifestyle. Meaning? Means that if you are doing an all-cash kind of a job or a job where you can easily hide cash and people think, you know, I'm getting away with this, I'm not having to pay taxes, um, if you get audited and you haven't reported a lot of your income, the government can say, well, you're only showing this income, but you're living in this house, and you're driving this car. Show us your checkbook. Show us your expenses. Now they can find out if you're depositing cash into your checkbook, for example. Sure. But if your general lifestyle is really out of whack with what you're reporting income, the IRS can challenge that and reconstruct income. So you won't always necessarily get away with it, but a lot of people think they're very smart and don't report the cash. But the other worst part of this is you're not contributing to Social Security. And guess what happens when you reach 62 or 66 or 70 and you want to collect Social Security? You, you haven't can't. paid a lot in. All right. And it's going to come back to really haunt you later. Sure. And it's like anything else. If you want to save for the future... And if you want to have money in retirement so you'll have something if you can't work or don't want to work, um, you're going to be screwed, mm -hmm. basically. So uh, if you are working, if you are working a gig job, report the income, pay the Social Security. It's going to pay dividends right. back to you later. And prepare for whatever you're doing. I, I think it's really important to prepare in life, don't you, Phil? Yes, absolutely, of course. So which famous president do you think might have said this, Phil? If I had nine hours to chop down a tree, I'd spend the first six sharpening my axe. Well, let's see. It wasn't George Washington, was no, but it? But it had to be somebody who would have handled an axe, wouldn't it? So Abe Lincoln? Abe Lincoln. Yeah, nice. Preparation. So that's all about preparation. I was thinking of the cherry tree with George. I think that was a fantasy story. I don't <laughs> think that was necessarily true. So one of the questions we want to ask is whether a good e gig economy is actually good for the economy or not. It's estimated that last year the freelance economy has grown to become 55 million Americans. 55 million. That's, that's that's a good chunk. 35% of the workforce is working in freelance kinds of jobs. Wow. A lot more statistics involved in this, but this is the way our country is going. And if you think about it, people used to have traditional jobs, traditional pension plans. They'd work until they were 65, and they would retire. They'd have a pension for life. Right. And then the corporations basically started to eliminate the pensions and said, we can't afford it, but now we have this new thing that's out there, the 401K and the IRAs. So start putting more money into your 401K plan instead. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And this is, I think, another further extension of what's happening in our economy. You know, when you think of the fact that there are big corporations and they're huge employers, they only account for a very small percentage of the total economy. And they only account for a very small percentage of the employment in this country. And if people are uh, fortunate enough, and if they think they're fortunate enough to have a job with a big company, um, they're really very much in the minority. Because it's the small mom-and-pop businesses, it's the small restaurants, the small 
tree cutters, the small wood cutters, uh, house cleaners, car repairs, mechanics, whatever it happens to be. That's where most of the economy is. It's the small person that runs this country, not the big corporations. Right. But the big corporations have an unusual amount of power, don't they? <laughs> because they have all the money. Yep. Um, and uh, they think that they're really special <laughs> sometimes. Like, well, what happened on uh, Equifax? We oh, talked about that gosh. Uh, in a prior week. Equifax um, executives realized that they had a major data computer breach, and several of the top execs went and sold stock. By the way, they've lost their jobs since then. But have they been uh, at least processed uh, in, in court because no. Martha Stewart went to jail for something similar? No, but I think in time that will catch up with them. Oh, my gosh. And it should. Yeah. What makes the gig economy so successful, what makes the freelance economy much easier today is because Workers and customers can connect directly through computer programs, smartphones, and now today in the economy there are a number of legal lawsuits going on where uh, people working as individual gigs are trying to get reclassified as an employee instead of uh, as an independent contractor. So there are a lot of labor issues that will still need to be sorted out Mm -hmm. and uh, decided on some of that. But um, this is a growing trend in our country where people may even graduate from college and take a part-time teaching job, for example. Maybe they're a part-time instructor, but it's not enough to support them. So then they'll do something else. Maybe they'll be a consultant for a corporation. And maybe they'll string together two or three of these things as how they will support themselves. And... Um, it's going to be very different. And I, I suppose if you are a business person and you're thinking about how could I benefit from this, if you have the ability to organize workers, um, such as Uber has done, then you might be creating a good business for yourself. But in any event, um, let me give you some other quotations. I pulled together some interesting quotes for today. Okay. Um, this one is from Peter Pan. Peter Pan. The moment you doubt whether you can fly, you cease forever to be able to do it. Yes, I like that. I like that, too. You know, some of these um, old plays and old books and old stories really had some interesting messages in them, didn't they? Yes. And another favorite one is from Alice in Wonderland. I can't go back to yesterday because I was a different person then. Wow. Yeah. So we do change. Yes, we do. Shortly, I'm going to give you a good quotation from Aristotle, because I've always liked Aristotle. Ari. But, um, you know, a lot of people are working later in life today also. A lot of people retire, and they don't feel they have enough money, and they feel that they would like to have a part-time job. Those kinds of people are going to fit in very nicely into the gig economy, because they'll take a part-time position, right. or they'll take a freelance position. And if somebody is retired and their next-door neighbor has three dogs, but they work a lot of hours, maybe that person's going to become a dog walker and help take care of the, the dogs when the family is away working, things of that nature. Lots and lots of things. But um, increasingly, people are working part-time jobs when they retire. They can't afford to retire just fully. 
when we um, come back after the break in a few minutes, we're not ready quite yet, we're going to talk about how we plan for retirement uh, in the gig economy. Mm-hmm. And it becomes a lot trickier. Um, are you going to set up retirement accounts uh, for yourself? The most important message for today is going to be if you happen to be a gig worker, you really need to have some discipline about yourself. And we're happy to sit down and lay out a plan for you, lay out a, a structure for how you can manage to save money and put something aside. So preparing for it is going to be very different. And um, I have to give you my my favorite quotation from Aristotle. I've, I've mentioned this before, Phil, but I thought of you when I was looking at this oh. earlier. There is only one way to avoid criticism. Do nothing, be nothing, say nothing. Perfect. Perfect. We, we will not apply that to any politicians today. <laughs> or talk show hosts. <laughs> <laughs> Does that mean that you should? <laughs> well, we won't talk about recent football either. Oh, uh, my goodness. Um, I was listening to one of the radio shows uh, broadcast earlier, and... Uh, um been a lot of discussion in the news about that lately, hasn't there? Oh, my goodness. It sparked a huge dialogue. Well, sometimes the, the words that you say can be like pouring gasoline onto a fire. Sure. And sometimes you're better off not speaking. Or look what it's done for the dialogue of this whole issue. Yes. Well, it's made the subject of protest. It's made the subject of football. It's made the subject of... Uh, respect. Respect. It's made the subject of um, patriotism, standing up for the flag, standing up for your country, the right of free speech, the right to protest. It's just totally blown up this whole, all of this That's discussion. Right. And you know, even a president has a right to his opinion. Yes. Well, I think you're right. <laughs> no. Just because you're a president doesn't mean you don't have a right to an opinion. No, I think everybody has a right to an opinion. Um, but I think then in certain positions in life, one needs to be a little careful about how you use your words. Always. And think about the impact. Always. As Oliver Wendell Holmes once said in a famous Supreme Court case on the subject of free speech, um, freedom of speech doesn't give you the right to go into a crowded movie theater and yell fire. That's true. And that's actually not a bad example for some of the stuff that's going on in the country today. But people are very polarized in general, aren't they? Very much. And with that in mind, this helped galvanize that division. Yes. It helped solidify that division. Mm -hmm. I think the division has become worse because of it. We don't have healthy dialogue going on in this country. Right. Right. and hopefully that will change in time. Although um, Oprah Winfrey is now a commentator and a panelist on yes. um, 60 Minutes, and I think that's a good thing. And um, I saw a recent show with her, and I thought she did a very good job of maintaining the dialogue. I mean, everybody who's listening today has totally different opinions about things. Of course. But it's the old expression, can't we all just get along? <laughs> We have a right to our opinions. How you present them are. That's very important. Words matter. Yes. Words do matter, and when and how you say them matters. Mm -hmm. And the most important thing that we lack in this country, I think, right now is respect. Absolutely. 
And Ooh. it's not just, you know, respect for the flag and respect for the country. It's respect for other people's opinions also. Right. That's right. Exactly right, Ray. So, yep. it's not going to be an easy dialogue, but um, somebody has to step up. Somebody has to be a leader who can put these ideas together in a way that lets people get along. And right now we have a lot of division in the mm. country. Well, this is a little bit of a digression from the gig economy. But um, the gig economy in general works best when it complements full employment. And right now when we don't have full employment, people have to survive. And so they start looking for other ways to support themselves. Mm -hmm. We're going to take a short break. When we come back, we're going to talk about some things that you really must do if you are working in the gig economy because you need to be able to support yourself later in life. Please stay tuned. We will be right back. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to MoneyWise, brought to you every single week by USA Wealth Group. You know, it's, it's really important for us, Phil, to help people. That's how we're made. That's how I was brought up. That's how our companies operate. We want to be able to show you how you can protect your family and protect your money. I had somebody recently actually say to me that what he likes most about listening to the radio show is the fact that we do talk about family a lot. Yes. And there's nothing more important. Right. You know, the, the, the country in a larger scale is nothing more than an extension of our family. Uh, it really is. But um, you don't yell and scream at your family. You have to have manners and civility. You have to have rules spoken and unspoken for how you get along with each other. And the same thing is true with our neighbors and our friends. We have to have manners, don't we? Yes, yep. We've, uh, civility has gone out the window. Civility has disappeared a long time ago. Basic manners have disappeared a long time ago. I've long since given up, but, you know, it's, it's rude, for example, for men in a restaurant to be wearing a hat, and it's amazing how many people do. If it's a casual restaurant, sure, I mean, I get it, but that's one of the things that bugs me. You're in, I see people in a fancy restaurant with men wearing a hat. Speaking of wearing hats. Yes, go ahead. Last week, <laughs> there was a beautiful picture in our local paper of the Our Lady of Purgatory Church back it's, in the 50s. I saw that. I noticed one thing, Ray. Every woman in the church had a hat. Women back in the 50s wore hats. And there wasn't one woman in the congregation. It was taken from probably the choir loft. Mm -hmm. Every single woman had a hat. And I said, my goodness, there's a tradition that isn't around anymore. That's true, and especially in the Catholic Church. And if they didn't have a hat, they would have a scarf. There you or go. Or a little yes. lacy thing over their head. That's right, um, yeah. No, that's a tradition that has gone by the boards. You know, I have to give a plug at this point and mention that on Sunday, October 15th, the Congregational Church of South Dartmouth, yeah. which is on Middle Street, will be celebrating the 200th anniversary of the building. Oh, my goodness. Which is amazing. Oh, I'll be sure to also talk about this during we're, the week. We're working very hard on it. Uh, we will have uh, a press release package very shortly. Um, I've been 
one of the members of a capital campaign that's going on in conjunction with it. But mostly on October 15th, we're going to be celebrating the 200th anniversary of the building, which is remarkable. It is remarkable. So I was pleased to see the article recently about the 100th anniversary of the uh, Our, Our Lady of Pur- Purgatory Church. And that's, right. that's a great accomplishment for anything today to last that long. But we're thrilled in the Congregational Church of Dartmouth, by the way, has a very famous steeple. When you go by and take a look at the steeple sometime. I have. It's based on a design uh, created by Sir Christopher Wren from London. Now, to be clear, he didn't design for this particular church, but he did the um, St. Paul's Cathedral in London. He designed that building, the Royal Observatory in London, um, and approximately 50 buildings and steeples in the city of London he designed. This was back in the very early 1800s and a little bit earlier. So in 1817, uh, this church was built. That is remarkable. In Dartmouth. That is. Uh, is the uh, steeple still functional? It is. It actually experienced a fire uh, sometime before I was there. And the uh, Dartmouth Fire Department came and helped put out the fire. Don't know how it was caused. I did something unusual recently. Um, I wanted to get pictures of the bell. And I went up inside the bell tower. And you go up several levels. And then when you get up near the top, there's just a regular old ladder. And oh, it's, it's wow. braced on the bottom by a board that's nailed into the attic floor. And I did one step at a time, one step at a time. <laughs> Very carefully. Clearly. And the middle section of the rungs are painted red. And there's a sign that says, don't step in the middle of the rung. Oh, no. So I'm thinking <laughs> it's probably going to break if you step in the middle of the right. rung. So I'm climbing up this ladder. When I get up to the top of the ladder, there's like a trap door. And it's held on by some hook and eyes. Yeah. And you take those off, but it's not held on with any um, hinges. Oh, so it's so just you, free? It's free. Oh so my if God. it was a windy day and you yeah. pick it up, it can go flying off. So oh I picked boy. it up really carefully with yeah. my camera around my neck. And I slid it over. And then I went up a couple more steps and looked around and took some pictures of the bell. And absolutely one of the freakiest, scariest things I've ever done. Oh, I bet. But Got some good pictures. Why, why did you want to take the pictures in the first place? Well, just so we can show other members of the congregation, and uh, there's some repair work that's necessary up there. Didn't they know you had a fear of heights? <laughs> I don't necessarily have a fear of heights. No. I mean, I'm not crazy about heights, but uh, there was not much to hold on to, and some of the wood needs to you know, have repairs to it. And I'm thinking, um, this is not a place that I will ever go again. <laughs> Well, congratulations to the community. Yeah? Well, it's it's a great uh, it's a great history for Dartmouth. It's a great history for uh, the Dartmouth Congregational yeah. Church, and uh, you know, to have any organization or any institution, it's like our constitution. Our constitution isn't that old. So, when you have something that has history and heritage, hang on to it. You bet. It's important. I don't think they knew what a gig economy was in 1817. Probably everybody was on a gig economy at that point. Oh, maybe so. I mean, sir, if you think about it, so you farmed, you had your vegetables, you sold your vegetables. What else did you do? Well, maybe you had uh, the beginning of tourism, so you created some little uh, scarecrow dolls to sell to the tourists who went by or something. But um, one of the things that I've always told people, 
if you can do so, have multiple streams of income. Yes. Because that way, if something happens to one of your sources of income, you have something else you can do. Yes. And um, anyway, preparing for a gig economy today is going to basically mean a leaner society in general. It's going to mean that people are going to have to learn new skills. So what's something you could do to prepare for the gig economy that we're in? Learn something new. Learn a new skill. Go to the Greater New Bedford Regional Tech Vocational School and take some courses. They've got all kinds of computer courses. They've got courses on welding, carpentry, electricity, electrician. Um, let's say that you've got a job and you're not sure it's going to be really secure. Go learn to become an electrician. Take all the courses. Take, uh, take your exams. Get certified as a journeyman electrician. Go to work for somebody. There's lots of things you can do to constantly improve your skills. Yep. Not everybody can do it in the field of computers, but there's lots of things out there. So learning new skills, reskilling is going to be very, very important. And if somebody is looking to have a fill-in position and you've got that background, you could do that. You might get a part-time job at UMass Dartmouth as an electrician if you had gone to the trouble to, uh, to get your electrician's license. But the um, World Bank, by the way, in 2015 has stated that 40% of the U.S. workers are going to be in non-standard jobs by the year 2020. That's three years from now. What do they mean by non-standard? You don't go to work 40 hours a week for a company and you don't punch a clock someplace. You're not working in a factory. You're not working for a bank as a teller. Um, you're going to be in something that's a non-standard job. Um, sometimes it's called casual work. Sometimes it's called the gig economy. Mm -hmm. So you know what? If that's the way we're heading, um, take a look at Benny's. What happened to Benny's recently? Right. They're closing down all their stores by the end of 2017. They have 600 and something employees, I think I read in the paper. That's a lot of people who have been doing retail jobs, stocking shelves, cleaning, fixing things up, changing the merchandise. What are they going to do for jobs? Right. They're going to be looking for jobs. Well, uh, fortuitously, I suppose the timing is going to be at the end of the year. So some of them may jump into a temporary job with Target. Right. Target's hiring thousands and thousands of people for Christmas jobs. Sure. Those are gig jobs. They're fill-in jobs. They're part-time jobs. They're not year-round permanent positions. I see. That's how our economy is going. Um, so whether it's good for the economy or not good for the economy, it means that people can fill in on a moment's notice if you need somebody. If I were to advertise right now for a part-time position, I'd have a lot of people applying for a job because people are out of work. They're looking for anything. Um, the gig economy. So there's good parts of it. There's not so good parts of it. But if you want to be prepared for it, get yourself prepared. Go to UMass Dartmouth. Go to BCC. Finish a degree that you were looking for before or that you started but you didn't finish. Um, and there's just lots and lots of things that you can do. From a personal point of view, you need to think about how are you going to protect yourself when you become 65 and you're too tired or you've got physical issues and you can't work any longer and you don't have a pension plan, you don't have a 401K, if you're not doing something now, working in the gig economy, working part-time jobs, to put money aside, well, you need to do that. Mm 
Um, I've got a lot of good articles, by the way, if anybody is interested. There's an article fairly recently, uh, September 11th, in the Wall Street Journey, uh, Wall Street Journal, and it's called, In a Gig Economy, Retirement Planning Gets Tricky. Be happy to provide a copy of this article to anybody that wants it. Give us a call, 508-998-8858. And it says, whether you're taking a gig or working full-time for a corporation, you need the same long-term plan. Interesting. If you're not thinking about retirement, um, you know, there's Roth IRAs. There is such a thing as a solo 401k. So if you're working as a consultant for somebody and they're not putting you through the regular payroll, they're paying you a consulting fee. Yes. Um, and you're responsible for your own taxes. It also right. means you're responsible for your own Social Security. Mm-hmm. you got to report your income in order to do that. But you're not participating in the company's 401k plan. You can set up a solo 401k plan. And here's an example. Let's say that you've been fortunate enough to work a regular job, but they've had a general layoff. And now you're going to take another job as a fill-in, but you're not going to participate any longer in the company's 401k plan. You're just not going to be covered. But you still realize that you haven't put aside enough money for um, an IRA or a retirement account. Well, in 2017, if you want to put money into a Roth IRA or a traditional IRA, you can put aside 5500 But if you're over the age of 50, you can set aside 6500 That's still a not a lot of money. What if you're being paid a decent amount of money as a consultant? Why don't you think about instead setting up a simple IRA, the contribution amounts are greater, or you can set up a solo 401k. You're the only person who's going to contribute to it. 2017, you can put in $18,000. If you're more than age 50, you can put $24,000 into it. Now, that sounds like a lot of money, and it is, but let's say you had a contract for one year, and you're going to make $60,000, but the thing that's really uppermost in your mind is, how can I put aside more of this money for my retirement? And if you're over 50 and you can only contribute 6500 to an IRA, think about setting up a solo 401k and you can put aside up to $24,000. Great. So you can take a, a good chunk of your money instead and put it aside. So there are things that you can do to sort of fast track and dump more money um, into a 401k account. Lots of things of that nature, but mostly my advice is get prepared. Think about the fact, you know, you can tell whether your company that you're working for is going to be there or not, whether it's solid. Um, sometimes you get signs of that happening. You know that whether the business is good or whether the business is not good. So why don't you do something to take courses and train yourself so that you're going to be more marketable if a layoff comes, uh, if you have to do other kinds of part-time things. Um, just, you know, some good planning things. Um, my favorite, Mark Twain. Here we go. Speaking of a Said, gig. <laughs> don't go around saying the world owes you a living. The world owes you nothing. It was here first. <laughs> he really has some great things to say. I've always liked him. Now, would that job be a gig if somebody did that in the summertime here in Fairhaven? Would that be considered oh, a gig? Oh, absolutely. See? Sure. Um, there you go. Hetty Green, the Witch of Wall Street. 
Um, there have been people in the community that have done imitations of her before. That's definitely a gig. Sure. It's not regular employment. It's a gig show. Um, who is the one? Who is the... In Fall River, who's the lady that murdered her parents? Um, which McCullet? <laughs> which McCullet? Yeah. I like which McCullet, Phil. Uh, Lizzie Borden. Lizzie Borden, thank you very much. So your memory bank clicked in faster than mine did. <laughs> we should get all of them together on the South Coast and have you know all these characters. And say, which one of you would like to run for president? <laughs> <laughs> Well, we won't go into politics anymore today, will we, Phil? <laughs> you know, everybody is uh, unique, right? So Margaret Mead, who's a very famous sociologist, and she studied um, African history and uh, anthropologist also. She said, always remember that you are absolutely unique, just like everyone else. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway... Um, the gig economy is, is really important, ladies and gentlemen, and um, it's the future in this country. We are going to be working more and more from our homes. I know a woman right now, uh, a client, a, a friend, who worked for a number of years out of her house on her computer uh, for a very well-known large banking establishment, International Bank, based in the United States. But she worked from home. And I said, well, how do they track your time? Well, easily. When you log into the system in the morning, it's logging in your time. It's tracking the fact that you're working on the computer. So don't think just because you're working at home, nobody's watching you if you're watching television instead of working. If you're working on the computer and processing things and so forth, they can do that. Um, mm -hmm. She then, um, she's one year away from retirement, and she will have a, a pension plan, and she's got a 401k, an older pension plan, uh, with not a huge amount from it, but she had saved a lot in her 401k account, and um, in the last year of her employment with the company before she retires, uh, they moved her over to Providence to work the last year over there to help train some people and so forth. But the, the, uh, the trend in the economy is definitely to do a series of things. You won't always do the same thing. Part of that might be fun, but it's going to mean that people are much more responsible now for their own future, making sure they put enough into Social Security. And we can help you track that. We can help you calculate that. Um, you really ought to be thinking about retirement uh, well, in terms of savings, you should start thinking about it when you're 22 years old and you have your first full-time regular job. Yes. Put money aside every single week, steady, steady, steady. You won't miss it. It will accumulate fast. We can show you things you can do to, to create more from it. When you're in your 30s and 40s, absolutely, you need to ramp up your game. I've seen a number of people lately, Phil, that um, have a 401k, and I I always ask them question, how much are you contributing to your 401k? And a gentleman last week said, I'm putting 6% in. And I said, is the company matching? Yes. How much are they matching? They're matching 6%. So in other words, because the company's matching 6%, he's contributing 6%. So he gets the maximum That's amount awesome. of the match. Yeah. He said then he volunteered. I was going to advise him. Anyway, he said... Starting next month, I'm going to put aside 10%. 
So the 6% that he puts in, the company's going to match 6%, but now he's going to increase it by another 4%. They won't match anything above the 6 but he's going to be contributing and saving more. He said, you know, I figure I probably won't miss it, and gosh, that's the smartest thing you can do you uh, in your 401k. Um, who said this? Mm-hmm. Another president, okay. an early president. Good. His initials were TJ. <laughs> Never put off till tomorrow what you can do today. That was President Max, right? Max was Thomas TJ, Jefferson. TJ Max. No. no. <laughs> Good one, Phil. I like that. <laughs> no, but you know, we've all heard this expression. This came from Thomas Jefferson. Never put off till tomorrow what you can do today. That sounds more like a Ben Franklin, doesn't it? It does sound like Ben Franklin. And um, let me quiz you on this one. You might have heard this one from a well-known hockey player. You miss 100% of the shots you don't take. That's Was that Gordy? Um, who was that? I can't. You can't read that far, can you? No, that was Wayne Gretzky. Wayne Gretzky. You miss 100% of the shots you don't take. You yep. gotta, you gotta reach out. You gotta try to do some things. Yeah. Um, so, anyways, um, those are most of my quotations for today. What I want to say is that our economy is changing. It's changing radically. Mm-hmm. The people who will be the most successful will be the people who are entrepreneurs who will set up their own jobs, or who will participate in the gig economy, but on a prepared basis. So anything that you can do to improve your skills, whether it's a language, whether uh, uh, you're taking some additional courses. By the way, two of the folks in my office are taking a course in Microsoft Excel, learning how to do the spreadsheets, and we use it for so many different things, on their own time. And I said in the office, if anybody wants to do this, um, the companies will pay for your courses. Nice. And then what we're doing now is um, they're doing this in the evening. It's like 6.30 to 9.30. Mm-hmm. And I said, well, all right, so there's three hours. And then you have to you know, travel to get there, and you got to travel home late at night. Right. So when you put together two of those evenings to do that, uh, you're entitled to take a day off. I'm not sure if that's the way that the Department of Labor would do it, but <laughs> that's, the, that's how we're doing it. Right, right. Why not? Sure, because they're putting in the extra time to go do that. They're learning a skill. Absolutely right. Um, their, mm-hmm. their skills that they're learning contribute to the successful operation of the office. Which brings to mind next seminar you have after you welcome the people. You uh, And uh, let's say Tenny starts speaking. You go off. Dress as Ben Franklin. You would make a great Ben Franklin. And then re-enter at the right point and let Ben Franklin, <laughs> through a lot of his quotes, teach a, a little bit of your seminars. They'd love it. I have to tell you, I did a seminar once, and I, I have a, not only a tuxedo, but I have a tuxedo with a long tail because I have to wear it to one of my Masonic functions. Sure. And I have a very tall top hat. It's almost like a cartoon top hat. Right. It's really tall. Yeah. And Tenny was doing a Saturday morning seminar in our office, and I didn't tell her I was going to do this. And she went on and spoke, and then it was my turn, and I'm peeking from around the corner so she couldn't see me. And I walked in with my full tuxedo, white tie, white vest, tails, tall top hat, 
And she says, oh, my God. <laughs> I totally surprised her. Oh, that's awesome. But the reason I did it is we had a, a friend and a client who was there. He was actually sitting in the front row. And he said to me, he says, Ray, if you're going to be doing the seminar on Saturday, why don't you come dress formally? <laughs> so I did. <laughs> I think you should go in as I Ben s- Franklin. I still he have, would be great. I still have people today talking about the you fact see? that I showed up like that. <laughs> All right. You, you see? Uh, that would be a great gig how's that it would be a great gig (laughs) well think about the gig economy ladies and gentlemen sooner or later you're going to be looking at some part-time jobs your full-time job may become a series of part-time jobs get prepared do something to get prepared and let us know if we can help you because you do need to think about retirement and savings give us a call at 508-998-8858 we'll be happy to sit down with you and help you plan your future you know, I always, I always like to think, Pete, of Pete. Of I do look like Pete. Peter, we're listening to you this morning. Uh, I always like to think, Phil, that there's always something you can do to improve your life. Every day. There's always something you can do to protect your family. You bet. And if you're one of the people that listens every week and doesn't take any action, then my question is, why aren't you doing something to protect your family? Good and question. why aren't you doing something to protect your money? Yes. So give us a call. We're happy to meet with you. We teach things every week that are designed to improve your life. Let us work side by side with you, and we can do even more. And you do it so nicely. Thank you for listening. We'll be with you again in another week. 